I'm Rob Thomas with Club Resort Business, and welcome to another episode of Club Resort Talks. Today's episode is sponsored by JBD, JGA, Design and Architecture. Founded in 1983 as Judd Brown Designs, the company is celebrating 40 years in business. Known throughout the uh, club industry for master planning, architecture, interior design, and procurement, JBD, JGA, part of the Clubworks family of companies, is proud to continue to provide the finest in planning and design services for some of the nation's most notable clubs. Learn more at www.jbd-jga.com. Now that we've got our ad read out of the way, hey, let's get to Phil Karen, our senior editor. Phil, how's it going? I'm doing well, Rob. Enjoying this as we're getting ready to head into fall, my favorite season of the year. Yeah, hey, uh, seasons are, you know, weather's cooling a little bit. And yep. uh, unfortunately, right around the corner, though, will be uh, snow here in the Northeast. But right. uh, I know people down in Florida and Arizona are gearing up for the start of their seasons. So it's kind of funny as uh, as one calendar turns, another one, uh, you know, flips the page, right? That's true. It, it's a fair point, depending on where you live in the country. Um, it's, especially when we're talking about golfing and everything, golf season. For us, of course, here in the north, we're, we're kind of toward the winding down part of the golf season. But you're right. Other parts of the country, uh, they're looking to uh, pick up the pace here very soon. Yeah, they'll be ramping up. Hey, uh, what are you seeing in the news, speaking of ramping up? Well, it's interesting. I saw a little bit of a trend this week with the news. We had a couple stories about, um, well, either courses, a golf course or a facility that had closed due to a fire. And now they're back on track to reopen or work is starting on something. Uh, out in, well, Hawaii, West Maui, Hawaii, we had a couple courses out there, uh, Bay Course and the Plantation Course, uh, both closed uh, due to the you know, wildfires in Maui that we'd heard about in the news in August. Uh, Bay Course actually reopened this past week. The Plantation Course is expected to op- reopen in mid-October. Um, interesting thing about the story, though, is, as I understood it, the courses and the facilities themselves were spared from the fires, but... Um, a large portion, I guess, around one third of the staff of these courses lost their homes and possessions, which I'm assuming is what contributed to the closures. Um, so that was interesting and obviously sad to hear. But it sounds like now we're at least in a place where they're going to be able to reopen the facilities here soon. Um, and, and that's certainly good to see. Uh, certainly hope also that people who work in these facilities have been able to find uh, new housing, new ways to. Uh, to keep their lives going too yeah you know we stayed at the um just before i guess before covid we stayed at the uh, ritz carlton uh on maui right across the street from the uh, plantation course and lahaina harbor was right down the street so um you know hawaii's interesting dichotomy there's so much money there but there's also a lot of poverty uh there's a lot of homelessness um so some of these people that uh that make their day-to-day living at these beautiful, beautiful high-end golf clubs, uh, really struggle day to day in the best situations to uh, to make ends meet and then to lose everything. Boy, that's that's devastating. The fires, uh, Lahaina Harbor, uh, everybody in West Maui. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers continue to go out to them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, another piece of news, uh, also sort of in a good news from something that something awful that had happened earlier. I know we had heard about the, um, 
the historic clubhouse at Oakland Hills Country Club in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, had caught on fire and burned down back in February of 2022. Uh, Bloomfield Township Board of Trustees recently approved a plan uh, for a new 110,236-square-foot clubhouse. Uh, club representative says the hope is for construction to start here pretty soon, uh, mid-November, and then have it finished in either late 2025 or spring of 2026. Um, I know it was interesting, too, because that that fire happened not long after Oakland Hills Country Club had gone through a two-year restoration of its south course that had reopened in summer of 2021. And, of course, I would think, as many of our listeners know, that course has hosted a lot of major championships, actually 17 to be exact, including six U.S. Opens, uh, three PGA championships. But good to see that that um, they're getting to rebuild that clubhouse and get that going again. Now, obviously, that was also tough news in our world that um, a great facility like that had burned, caught fire and burned down. But it's good to see uh, they're moving forward with a new structure. Yeah, you know, our former editor, Joe Barks, uh, did a, a feature story on uh, the club not long before it burned down, uh, the clubhouse. And uh, boy, that so much was lost, so much history. Uh, it was like a, like a living museum inside that facility. So um, I know they, they were able to salvage quite a bit. They lost yes. quite a bit. But uh, really looking forward to seeing what this finished product is going to be. And uh, then, I mean, it's just a matter of time before the next U.S. Open PGA Championship. Something big event is going to be held there to really showcase that beautiful facility. Right, right. I think as I was looking at that upcoming, I think the next, I guess it's 2031, uh, the club is scheduled to host the uh, U.S. Women's Open. So that's in that. that. And then the next, next U.S. Open on the men's side would be 2034 for Oakland Hill. So we see that coming up here in the next uh, decade or so. Well, it's going to be fun to see uh, uh, Rose Zhang and uh, Scotty Scheffler as a couple of old season veterans by the time these these big events come around. Yeah, that's but, true. You know, a lot of young bucks on both tours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it'll be uh, you're right. They'll be they'll be crafty veterans by the time the the U.S. Open is there again. <laughs> yeah, they will. Way to go. Yeah, you know, one another and shifting gears a little bit. Another story, and then another situation where of course is reopening um after uh a difficult situation we say this is probably one of the more unusual stories we had at least in the time i've been with us so far uh september of last year there was a course down uh, ross bridge in hoover alabama which is part of the robert trent jones golf trail down in alabama uh, i guess a worker there a maintenance staff member unfortunately mistook a bag of herbicide for green sand and spread it on almost every green on the property. Unfortunately, destroyed 14 of the 18 greens, shut down the course. Well, they've been working hard over the past year and uh, the Sunbelt Golf Corporation, the owner, announced the course will reopen to players on October 13th. So very glad to hear that. I felt badly for that employee because it sounds like it was just a true uh, honest mistake, no malicious intent. Obviously, really costly one one of the more unusual stories i've seen is of something that caused the course to shut down but it's also great to see uh that looks like they're on their way to uh to uh being open again and which is good news because as i understand it that's one of the more popular locations on that robert trent jones golf trail yeah that's just south of birmingham uh mm -hmm. gorgeous gorgeous 
area, uh, Hoover, Alabama, is uh, is spectacular, and uh, that's a big oops. That's a costly oops. Uh, that is a very costly oops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I hope I hope the uh, the employee that did that uh, still has their job, and I hope that they are double and triple checking before they put down anything. But uh, oh man, yeah, poor, poor kid. It's or, probably. Whoever, I was going to say, Rob, it's probably one of the situations too. that's probably, it wouldn't, well, it wouldn't surprise me if it's resulted in them looking at some, you know, procedures, best practices, you know, about how they're doing different types of work, especially something that's going to affect that, you know, really in the entire course, if you will. Um, so maybe it causes them to revisit things and to make sure they're, you know, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. Yeah, it makes you wonder how it was um how it was labeled. Uh right. you know, if they have a big vat of, you know, that are things you're just, you know, ready to go and superintendent knows where it's at, but maybe it's not labeled, hey, do not put on greens, you know, this is gonna right. kill all the grass. Do not yeah. do this or do this. But um I'd be curious to hear from some of our superintendents that uh that watch the podcast or listen to the podcast, mm -hmm. uh what they do, how they handle situations like that to make sure such major i mean catastrophic events don't take place uh at their facilities yeah it would be interesting to hear because obviously they're working with different um you know working with all the different I don't know, chemicals and everything else that you're working with yeah obviously um to make a mistake can be can create a huge problem it's not just sort of a one-day problem uh so it would be interesting to hear what they have to say about that and what other kinds of um, checks they have in place, if you will, where you maybe have more than one employee being involved with something. So that we're kind of, they're kind of checking each other, if you will, as you go along, especially with something like that, that could cause long-term damage. Yeah. What are the checks and balances in place? Right. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it happens. Uh, maybe not to this uh, level, but I'm sure mistakes happen daily. Uh, you know, miss represented labels or, or, or just mistakes, simple mistakes, but um, you know, let's, let's hear, let's hear from our suit or general manager, superintendents. Let's, let's hear what you guys do to, uh, to avoid situations like this. But hey, yeah. a, a couple of other, you talk about openings. Um, I saw that uh, we also had a couple of golf courses opening one down in Arizona, the uh, estates course at the Arizona Biltmore golf club, uh, Tom Lehman and Lehman design group is, um, mm -hmm it started as just a remodel of the Adobe course. And they said, you know, heck we're doing everything. Let's just, let's make this a whole new golf course. So uh, I guess that's, that's kind of wrapping up. That's in the final stages. Uh, one way up North in Minnesota uh, at Winsong farm golf club has just begun the process of adding a second golf course. They're in uh, Indian or in independence, Minnesota, part of the twin cities. Um, they will be the only private club in the twin cities with two 18 hole championship golf uh, golf courses this one's designed by john fott who i think uh helped on the uh the other golf course as well so um some some new beginnings uh clubhouses new beginnings of uh of golf courses um looking forward to seeing both of those properties uh in the coming years as they as they mature Absolutely. Yeah. And I was looking at that story too. I noticed, um, is it my, Matt Kleinbrook, director of golf at Winsong, 
And he's quoted as saying, now that golf is back and booming, it's the right time to build a new course. And I think that's, we've of course talked about that many times on here, the idea that the pandemic has, um, did contribute to a boom in golf because it gave, I guess, more people opportunities to play who hadn't played before or people who had been playing got an opportunity to play even more than they had been in the past. And so, yeah, it looks like we're, we're in the right time. Golf's on an upswing and there are places, there are organizations taking advantage of that by uh, constructing new courses. Amen. Amen. Speaking of timing, you've got, uh, you have an interview coming up that has to do with the time of the day or uh, time of uh, trying to do a nice little transition here. Can you tell us what, uh, what our listeners slash viewers can expect in our next segment? Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I spoke uh, recently with Pete Wilson. He's the co-founder of Grass Clippings, which is interesting. They're a company that started as a clothing line that represents greenskeepers. It's actually a brand that gives recognition to the hard work, dedication, selflessness of greenskeepers all throughout the country, which I thought was a very novel idea, novel concept. That's how it started. The company, and that in and of itself might actually be worth another interview on our podcast sometime. But this time we were focused on a different aspect of it. The company Grass Clippings is now in the golf course operation business. Uh, they recently took over Rolling Hills Golf Course in Tempe, Arizona. They Grass Clippings, they signed a 50-year lease with the city of Tempe to take over operations and assume responsibility for all the capital improvements. They got a lot of work planned. They're renovating the clubhouse and driving range. Uh, they're also even building an outdoor entertainment concert venue. But the thing that we talked about the most in the conversation was that they're going to offer nighttime golf on a regular basis. As a, like a regular part of golfing there, you can golf at night or will be able to here soon. Uh, not a one-time event, not a special occasion. And actually just checked their Twitter account. Uh, they tweeted a few days ago uh, that night golf would be available starting in early November out there. So it's a great conversation. I talked, Pete and I talked about how um, he and a group of friends started the company, uh, why they decided to pursue, well, golf course operations, and of course now night golf with that. Um, he also, we also got an interesting conversation about the fact that there's sort of a magical element to playing sports at night, even kind of referencing, you know, Monday night football and, you know, a night baseball game. Well, hey, bring that nighttime experience to, to the game of golf and make it more of a, a regular part of what it is of, of playing the game, if you will. And we also kind of talked, of course, about how what country club GMs might want to consider if they're thinking about doing the same thing here of offering nighttime golf on a regular basis. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Arizona, especially uh, yeah. more so than any other spot in the country, it is yeah. hot, hot, hot during the day, during the summertime. And if they have any way to uh, maybe increase revenue by playing some golf after the sun goes down, it doesn't have to be a 24 hour golf course, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe stay open until midnight, get that last round of golf in from nine o'clock to midnight on the, you know, on those hot summer days when it, it cools down to 85, 90 degrees, you know, when yeah. it's up in 100, 105, 110 plus during the day, boy, at 90 degree day or evening will will feel downright pleasant. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, you, well, you'll hear on there too. Pete talks, because I did ask about, I was curious about the whole, well, how, how far into the evening are you going to offer golf? And he, he touches on that and we'll let him share that, that information with us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not, let's not give it away. Right. Let's get to right. it. Um, thank you, Phil. And uh, let's hear what Pete has to say. 
Welcome to another edition of Club and Resort Talks. I'm Phil Karen, Senior Editor with Club and Resort Business. And for the August issue of Club and Resort Business, I wrote a column uh, asking about whether nighttime golf would catch on as a more routine aspect of what golf courses offer. In our coverage of the industry uh, with myself and Rob Thomas, we have been noticing more examples of nighttime golf being offered at courses around the country. Um, Notice that golf, nighttime golf, again, it's being made, if you will, available as a regular part of the offerings that golf courses have. And we're, of course, also seeing more golf entertainment and golfertainment venues popping up around the country, such as Top Golf, uh, Big Shots Golf, and Pop Stroke. And typically those sites are open late too. My column was also posted recently on our website at Club and Resort Business. And I know one of the people who saw it was Pete Wilson. Pete's one of the founders of a company called Grass Clippings. And the company recently took over Rolling Hills Golf Course in Tempe, Arizona. They signed a 50-year lease with the city of Tempe to take over all operations and assume responsibility for capital improvements. And one of those things is, one of those improvements being a plan to install uh, lights on all 18 holes of the golf course, uh, as well as the driving range. And joining me to talk about the sort of the future, what future of nighttime golf is Pete Wilson. Pete, welcome to Club Resort Talks. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So first of all, Pete, tell us a little bit about your company, uh, Grass Clippings. Yeah, it, uh, it started in 2018 amongst uh, four of my best friends. There was four of us, and then later we brought on another fifth founder uh, shortly after that. But essentially what happened was, you know, we're, we're big golfers. We've all been playing golf since we were two years old. Um, one of our co-founders was playing professionally on the mini tours, um, and something always struck out to us, you know, you would show up on a tee box and someone would be wearing a hat or a shirt and it didn't really have any meaning behind it. I always got kind of confused when someone's wearing a tailor-made hat or a ping hat. I'm like, you realize they're a manufacturer of the club, not, you know, nothing more than that. So we wanted to create something that had a little bit of meaning. Um, so we created this clothing line called grass clippings that gave recognition to greenskeepers. Uh, we still run this clothing line. Um, and through that process, we were thinking about ways to get the word out. And we had just come back from a great amateur tournament in uh, Minnesota called the Resorters. And there was something about that tournament that just, um, that did a number on us. We were like, how can we bring that back to Arizona? And so shortly after that, we, we made these plans to run a golf tournament at this par three course here in Arizona called Mountain Shadows. And it was a two man scramble on a par three course, which brings all different demographics to the table. Um, it got super popular and everything. And we started to think to ourselves, shoot, I mean, we want to put grandstands. We want to have it on TV. We want to, and lights weren't even in, it kind of in our mind yet. Yeah, that was a, as an afterthought, something that was a pipe dream. But something that we noticed was we were always fighting the uh, sunset. The, the tournament was finishing. And if you have any frost delays, rain or anything like that, that can really hamper a tournament. Um, and then just playing with our friends, we realized you know, they were having to kick us off the golf course. They'd come on 18. Hey, got, cart's got to come in. And we just kept thinking to ourselves, there's, there's something more here. And why are there top golfs everywhere? And then there's your par 72. There really wasn't anything in between that offered nighttime entertainment that was real golf. So we, uh, we did the unthinkable and we started going, looking for our own golf course. Um, and there was one golf course that made sense because and I, I know you're going to want to talk about this, but, you know, the barrier to entry for, for lighted golf courses 
is typically you have to find the right course that doesn't have any houses around it. Um, there aren't any dark sky ordinances uh, and, and a number of other things, you know, your, your audio levels can't be a certain, a certain uh, level. And pretty much it's like finding a diamond in the rough, one of these properties. Cause you know, you would know better than me about the business model of golf courses typically um, at least in the nineties was build a long stretching golf course and then sell the real estate around it. And we're taking the inverse look and we're saying, why not make an unbelievable entertainment um, venue on and off the golf course where that can generate all, all the revenue is just being on the property. Um, so it's a long winded way to say how the company got started, but uh, we approached uh, the city of Tempe. This would, would have been three years ago and went through a, a long RFP process and then a negotiation with the city about um, the terms in which we would take over the course. And we, we, we assumed operations uh, uh, July 1 of this year. Excellent. Excellent. Was the, your negotiations with Tempe, was that, did that involve making it clear to them that you were interested in having night golf there at, at that site? Yes. Yes. And so their, their, um, their RFP was pretty much, you know, expanding, expanding golf to a larger demographic and in, in really pushing community golf. And so, you know, most of the people we were, we were bidding against, I don't think they were um, putting money on the table for capital improvements. And that was something we were willing to do ourselves. Um, and then the community aspect too was, is, is why we're here. And, um, and we want to push that as well. So, um, they were, they were very excited about lighted golf. Um, and yeah, that was, that was never really an issue with, with the city of Tempe. Okay. Very good. Um, and I know we, we were kind of talking a little bit about some of those typical barriers to nighttime golf, sort of at an expense of infrastructure and lighting at expense of having staff on duty for those evening hours. Um, a lot of communities have regulations on how late businesses can have a light on lights on weather conditions, although again, in Arizona, I know that's not really a yeah. huge concern. Um, do you, your thoughts, I know you were sharing, although I know you said that the actual number of golf courses in the United States that offer night golf is, is sort of a moving number a bit, but we know there aren't a lot. Do you know any, I mean, I just kind of talked about a lot of the sort of commonly given reasons why nighttime golf doesn't happen or may not happen. Any other thoughts on why it hasn't really caught on here in the United States? I think it's it's a mix between it's really tough to find properties that are in dense areas, uh, dense populated areas that don't have those restrictions, um, and and then on top of that, I think there's some probably some misinformation that people that have you know the keys to a golf course don't understand uh, the pricing for for the lights now that we've come so far with technology, you'd be surprised how much it costs, um, and then. You know, if if it's not broke, if it's not broke, why fix it? And so, um, and that's a good question. I, I really think it takes um, a younger. You know, all all of our co-founders are in their thirties, um, and we 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 live this every day. And so, I think it takes someone um, and a group of people that are forward thinking and you know willing to kind of try to move the needle. Sure, sure. I know in my column too, I talked. We touched a little bit then on the positive, what the advantages were of offering night golf. And obviously it's an opportunity for golf courses to increase revenue. Um, in, in a state such as yours in Arizona, where it's extremely hot 
for good portions of the year. It's an, obviously a time where uh, golfers can find some relief from the heat and nighttime hours. What else, though? And I, I think I feel like you've already touched on it a bit, but maybe to boil it down, what other advantages do you see to, to offering nighttime golf for golfers? Well, we love putting on tournaments and games and action. Um, and so the way I, I always like to, to tell it is I think it's important to look through the lens of a, of a, a golfer, your average amateur golfer. Um, first off, it's tough to get out on the golf course these days. I have two kids, another kid on the way, you know, peeling off for six hours during the day on a Saturday is really difficult. Um, so the, the option to go play at night um, after the kids go to bed or after work, it just opens up so many things for golfers. But at the end of the day, in reality is, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of my friends and myself included played other sports when we grew up, you know, played football, played baseball, played basketball. And there's something about playing under lights that makes you feel like you're playing in the big leagues. And there's something about that Friday night lights feeling that people are chasing. Um, and for me, I know if I were just thrown into a city and someone said, Hey, down the street, there's a, there's an unbelievable golf course with lights that you can play till midnight. Oh, and there's a skins game tonight. Would you be interested? I'd be honest. I'd drop everything I had on my calendar to make sure I was there. And so, um, I really think it goes back to this Friday night, uh, lights feeling. And if you go back in history and look at all other sports, when they introduced lights to their, to their sport, make it, you know, be it major league baseball, the national football league, the, the interest, the revenue quintupled, you know, I mean, I, the, the, the amount of uh, money, the NFL uh, pulls from Monday night football now or right. baseball, the reds were the first ones to do it. And they were a bankrupt franchise. Um, and they instituted night baseball and it changed the whole course of the future of their franchise. So I think golf is the last sport that hasn't implemented that and there's going to be some sort of boom um behind lighted golf right i i would imagine so and i see what you mean with other sports there there is sort of i would agree as a sports fan there is an added excitement of well attending a night game or even watching one on television without a doubt there is an added it's, it's almost indescribable but there's an added energy and electricity to it um that just doesn't happen with with a game that happens in the daytime. I'm not sure why that is, but there is, you're right. I know what you mean about the Friday night lights element. It's definitely there. And a, and a great story from that. I remember when I was a kid, I, I must've been eight or nine years old and they did a tournament in California and the whole concept, the whole marketing concept they had was the last two holes were going to be lit up and they were going to play into the lights. I ended up watching that entire route, that entire broadcast just so I could see the two, the two lighted holes at the end. And it was, that's the type of interest I think it's going to, it's going to draw and, and people are going to, didn't even know they wanted to do it. Right. Right. There you go. So at, at Rolling Hills, then um, at this point, I, I know I recently just, before we started this uh, podcast, I saw a tweet where you had the, the lighting equipment was starting to come in. When are you hoping to start offering nighttime golf there? So uh, originally we thought it was going to be January, but things, uh, we're expedited. Uh, we're working with Musco Lighting, who is an unbelievable partner. And we are hoping for middle of November is kind of what we're targeting, where we're going to finally be um, able to offer night golf. And then other improvements on the property will be done in phases until next summer. But to kick things off, November, November 3rd, 
through the 15th sometime is when we're hoping to to launch lighted golf another interesting thing i saw as far as your what you're offering you're not going to have the the glow in the dark golf balls is that right this will be set up for true true play as far as golf is concerned right yep hit your pro v1s it's it's the same thing musco has a uh, a lighting system where they do down lighting and up lighting so it captures the ball so you don't lose it when it goes in the sky uh, it's it's state of the art and and it, they do projects like that all over the world um and for some reason it hasn't caught on in 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 america okay very good that's interesting i've i've confess i've only played night golf once it was on a par three course i grew up on up in michigan it was a lot of fun but it was again as i was kind of starting or we were talking before we came on here it was just kind of like a for fun one-time thing a novelty thing and so it's exciting to look at this in a new way where it becomes uh, a normal part of of golfing if you will exactly excellent so and then um do you know at this point i don't know if it's too early to ask this do we know what the your hours are going to be um will it be will it vary depending on day of the week how will that work for night so golf? in terms of the night golf that's going to be an ongoing question for our greenskeeper because that's mm -hmm. going to be so much so many added rounds um we have the ability to play well into the night you know midnight or whatnot i don't know if we'll do that maybe for special events but it's really going to be more of a a greenskeeper question in terms of keeping what this is going to be pure golf just like any other golf course except we really take uh turf quality very seriously um so there's that question um that side of it but then we also are going to have a restaurant an event lawn a jumbotron a concert venue so that's going to be going on um till midnight 1 a.m uh so there'll always be action we'll, we'll be open um but the 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 firm hours on the golf is going to be something we're going to figure out here pretty quickly once uh, our greenskeeper reports back after the first few months. Okay. Very good. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, one thing too, at club resort business, we, of course, we cover country clubs and resorts with a focus on, on golf as an amenity. I know we hear from a lot of country club general managers and, and head pros a thought for you, Pete, or I guess a question for you, do you think country clubs and, and golf clubs and resorts should look into offering nighttime golf? And if you do, what types of issues do you think they should be looking at if, before they start doing it, before they start offering it, I should say? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the tough part, the tough part of that question is I just don't know their business model, like typically private clubs are capped at certain, you know, uh, right. members and things like that. So they don't really have that much upside. Um, but what I could tell you is that, you know, if they were to implement it, uh, those things become a different, you know, really separate themselves from their competitors, from, um, other golf courses in the area. And it's, it's a funny thing because, um, something that we picked up on about three years ago is we would ask people when they would go on these golf trips to abandon dunes, or they would go play at Pebble beach, or even come into town and play Scottsdale national. And the things they would always report back to us is, gosh, that was a great trip, had the time of my life. You know what the best part was? Was playing that new park three course they put in, the bad little nine or the hay at Pebble Beach. And, and so what, what lighting is a one of the, of the levers you could pull, but it's these new concepts while still remaining golf is what is beginning to separate people. And I don't know the, 
the actual uh, numbers on the hay over at Pebble Beach. But someone told me recently that the revenue they're bringing in from the hay, uh, the Tiger Woods design par three course and putting course uh, is like, I think the revenue is is just skyrocketed and almost matching the, the actual golf course. So um, for all the general managers out there or anybody involved with the club, you know, maybe you don't have to light the entire course. Maybe it's the last four holes, things like that. I know from, from my perspective and speaking for myself, that if there was a club down the street that had four holes lighted or had a lighted par three course opposed to a club over here that didn't, I mean, I, I I'm going there, you know, 10, out, 10 out of 10 times. And um, I think golf is really ripe for little, you know, little tweaks and, and, and additive, additive things to the, these golf courses. And it, at the same time, keeping the tradition of the game as well. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Interesting what you said there, though, about um, I think that would be good advice to, to country club general managers to, to kind of think of it in a creative manner out, outside the box, if you will, um, rather than. Because I, I would imagine a lot of them would, would listen to our conversation and think, well, I'm not going to put in lighting for all 18 holes. But as you said, well, hey, maybe you can just do it for the 18th hole. Maybe it's for the ninth hole or maybe it's for, a, a, I don't know, a par three. If it's, I don't know, oriented a certain way geographically, that makes sense. Maybe um, it's your putting like, ring. Maybe it's your short game. Putting. No, it could just be that. Or just your driving range. What, what I can tell you is when the sun goes down and as a kid growing up, when I tried to be the best golfer of all time, trying to be Tiger Woods, the sun would go down and I'd pick up my clubs and go sit on my couch at home and just think about getting to the course the next morning. And right. I really think the, the added hours um, is such a draw for, for amateur and pro golfers for, for that matter. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it will be a draw for sure. Well, uh, Pete, I thank you for joining us today. I, good luck to you with this project. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, keep us up to date on what you're doing with it too. Very exciting Definitely. project. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I uh, just want to remind everybody that they should visit clubresortbusiness.com to see more podcasts like this one. And of course, to uh, see updates on what's happening in the club and resort business. Uh, we appreciate it as always. Take care, stay well, and have a great day.